It's, uh, it's so good to be back with you, and uh, as uh, Pastor Christian's already said, I did bring my better half. Have you know that anyone who's married, who's smart, has got a better half? Um, and uh, this is Valerie. Everyone say hello, Valerie. Just uh, bring a greet. We, we've got a grandson, haven't we? We do. We have a grandson. Tell them about our grandson. And our grandson was born on September 7th when Michael was really around here somewhere. That's right. And yeah. so he missed all of that, came home a, a, when the baby was actually a couple of months old because we'd already planned the trip, such a long trip. But now we've spent the last two months, or I have, he's spent quite a few weeks, just getting to know this child. And I'm sure that there'll be more coming because we've got three kids and they're all adults. And, but this little boy is just the joy of our lives. His name is Freddie. Frederick, Frederick Michael Murphy. That's right, he I is got adorable. in there. So, just want you to know that that the best thing in the world is being a grandparent. I mean, yes. I, I just, I just. Want, how many grandies are here? How many grandparents? Yes. So, oh, well is, done. Is everyone. it pretty good? It's awesome. We're just growing. We've got L plates or P plates. What are your provisional licenses at the moment? So we're pretty clueless, but we're having a great time. It's fantastic. Um, just a question, darling, before you sit oh, down. Okay. Um, in terms, of, in terms of skill sets, would you say that I am a great handyman? Well, not really. <laughs> but not to be upset, you're a great preacher. Thanks, Doug. Just the handyman bit of it got lost. What else am I good? No, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a shocker. I, I, I'm hopeless. I can't, I can't nail... Why did you uh, ask me that? What was that I about? I can't nail a nail in straight. <laughs> Give my wife a hand. <laughs> Here's, um, here's a little confession. I've got, because we've only been here once, I've got stacks of really great messages that um, normally, you know, if you go somewhere, you're building a relationship um, and you've been preaching for 100 decades like I have, uh, you've got a reservoir of things, some of which are life messages, and it's much safer to preach one of those. You understand what I'm saying? Um, and... Uh, but I really felt distinctly, I'm going to preach a message for the very first time this morning. Um, it's something that I've been meditating on for the year. I believe it's something I will speak again in other places. But uh, for better or worse, you are my guinea pigs. Is that okay? And, uh, and so here's the thing. God knew that this is where I'd be speaking first up this year. I haven't preached so far this year. It's been about four weeks since... Uh, my last confession, no, since I've actually preached, and, uh, and I, I, uh, I'm really excited about bringing God's Word. And so this is, this is really fresh, off the wire, it's something fresh that God is doing in me, and uh, it kind of segues into what um, I had asked Valerie right there. Um, I am not a good handyman, I, I, I do, early in our marriage I tried, now I much prefer to pay someone to do things so that things don't break in a short time. But uh, one particular time I built a shelf and it was not a bad shelf. It was a shelf that we kind of picked up, you know, all I had to do was get it on the wall. And Valerie had picked up as a flight attendant for many years, prized pottery that, that was just beautiful. And I put it on the shelf. It was from all over the world. And, uh, and Valerie's mum, my mother-in-law, sitting under that. <laughs> You're getting way ahead of me right now. <clears throat> And there was a mighty thunderstorm to, to the point where our little fibro play shook and shook this shelf off the wall. No one told me you had to stick the screws in the studs, right? And, uh, 
And so all of Valerie's pottery, fortunately, my mother-in-law escaped from under uh, just before it actually killed her. And uh, (laughs) she has since passed away, not because of that. It was just... Quite separately, she's in heaven. I love. I, I don't have any mother-in-law jokes. I loved my mother-in-law, and uh, and I miss her dearly, as I know Valerie does all the time. Uh, there was another occasion, again, as a young married couple, where the toaster blew up. I knew that it blew up because there were sparks that it flew out the side of it, and uh, I thought, how hard can this be? And so I actually took the side. I, I, I unplugged it, duh, and. Uh, <laughs> And I actually took the side of the toaster off and, and, and cleaned it up a bit. I noticed that just one wire had just come off. That's all. Kind of sheared. It was a bit black around there. So I, I even sheared it back. I got some pliers. Yeah, thank you very much. I, I got some pliers, sheared it back, reconnected. And, and uh, my wife, I said, I'm fixing the toaster. She had a word of knowledge from the other room. She said, put some rubber-soled shoes on. So I fixed my, our toaster. It looked brand new from the outside. I even, even shined her up on the outside. It was gleaming. And I plugged the thing in, turned it on. Next thing, my back connected with the wall on the other side of the kitchen. There was a shock and awe response. And, uh, and, and I was actually having a shower just a short time later, as you do when you nearly die. And, uh, and I felt the Holy Spirit... He speaks to me at some very inconvenient times. He said, he said, you know, my power is like that. He said, the power of that electricity flows through the wall all the time. And sometimes a bit of shock is needed in order for you to rekindle your understanding of the awesomeness of power. I want to talk to you today about a year of shock and awe. A year of shock and awe. You know, the news... Uh, Associated Press have, have, have uh, given us the top 10 news reports uh, or subjects that have come out. And the top six of them, ISIS, gay marriage, uh, the Paris atrocities, the attacks. We're actually in uh, Paris uh, during that first one, the Charlie Hebdo uh, one. We were walking the streets of Paris during those three times. It was quite freakish, really. Um, um, black deaths in custody. Um, uh, terrorism fears generally. The top five of, the, of, the, of those six are actually all to deal uh, to do with violence and fear and, and terror. Contrasted to that, the backdrop of that has been um, the Star Wars phenomenon, the latest in the, in, the, uh, in the franchise. And on the first weekend, I'll do US dollars, but um, it, it made $238 billion. Uh, sorry, million, sorry, US dollars on that very first weekend. Over the franchise so far, it's been something like 31 billion US dollars. Contrast to that, say, uh, James Bond is about 8 billion. So this thing is a phenomena. Um, there's a guy by the name of Eric Metaxas, who's a, an author kind of relating uh, spiritual truth to uh, the secular world in which we live in. Now, he, he's quoted as saying this in an interview. He, he talked about his life thesis. He says, we live in a culture that has brought into the uh, absolute or the, or the patently silly idea that there is a divide between the secular world and the faith world. He then spends a lot of time talking about faith issues in a secular context. Um, George Lucas, I don't know whether he knew it overtly, but... but one of, the, one of the reasons, apart from just all the technology and the special effects behind Star Wars, is that there's the classic 
um, kind of triumphing of good over evil. There's this, there's this transcendent thing about the Star Wars franchise many, many people are buying into. Um, many armies over the years have bought into this notion of shock and awe. That's where it was burnt, but where it was, where it was bought. It literally means rapid dominance um, uh, uh, strategy, a rapid dominance strategy. In other words, you hit it hard and hit it fast before the enemy even knows what we're talking about. You know, we live in a world right now where, f- quite frankly, if you look around you, you could think that the enemy is winning. Uh, you could think that uh, this year that we're facing, if you've got kids or a grandkid in, uh, can I tell you we had a grandchild? Uh, that, that they're being brought up in a world that's increasingly antagonistic to the things of God. And I want to right now, I want to proclaim over you today for 2016, this is going to be a year of shock and awe. Not where you would be shocked, but through the, the fresh sense of the awesomeness of God's presence, you would actually give a shock the other way as you stand up and become all that God has called you to actually become. You know, words over, year, over the, the, the years actually change meaning. Um, there's a, a, a the, the word, the latest one that annoys me is the word literally. Literally. Like literally means literally. Uh, one of your sports commentators uh, commentators one day was, was, was quoted as uh, saying uh, about Rooney, the, the footballer. He said, he said, he's literally on fire. <laughs> Clegg, your deputy prime minister, speaking about uh, low, low tax individuals, he says they're literally living on another galaxy. <laughs> literally no longer means literally. The word, the word addict, for example, which we associate with, <coughs> excuse me, with drugs and so forth. It started out meaning someone who was poor that was sold for their debts and became <coughs> enslaved to someone else. That then, uh, through the 16th, 17th century, became more akin to someone that became dependent on someone or something. And then in the 17th century, morphine and so forth, dependency started and now contemporarily uh, other drugs where they became dependent. So we call them a drug addict. But the way the word started out was very different to the way we associate that word right now. If your wife got dressed up this morning and asked that question that they often ask, how do I look, darling? There is only one answer to that question. (laughs) But if you said fantastic... In its original word, meaning, you you might have been saying out of the French, fantastique, uh, that they actually were just uh, an an imagination. It wasn't real, what they had on. So be very careful what you say. Um, Further to that, the word matrix literally meant a pregnant animal. Had nothing to do with the movie franchise. A pregnant animal. Again, over the years, that then morphed to something that was the womb of creating something new and something great. Uh, the word awesome is one of those words. Awesome was a word that meant terrifying or terrible in, in a way that terrible used to mean, um, but has become synonymous since 1980, actually, where it appeared in the, in the official preppy handbook in the U.S., uh, as something that was really cool, something that was awesome, really cool. In fact, the Oxford Dictionary changes the definition of words according to the way that they are used. Here's my point. 
Our Christianity, when you first came to Christ, there was something awesome about it in the truest sense of the word. For some of you that had an encounter with Jesus, if you haven't yet had an encounter with Jesus, you're in the right place. What better opportunity at the start of a new year to get your hand in the hand of the living God to start to align your purpose with that. It might indeed be something that you've been traveling with. You might have been on the way for some time. Well, maybe right now, through the shock and awe, it's time to get out of the way and let God do what he wants to do. There's something about a fresh encounter with Jesus. I remember going back in the day. Come with me by the, while I'm talking to Genesis chapter 28. There was a guy by the name of, 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 of Stuart. Do you remember him, honey? Stuart and Shelley, the early days of Hillsong Church when we were still in the school hall. And uh, he, he, both of them had, were very strongly addicted to heroin. They had a powerful encounter with Jesus. And every single Sunday, Stuart bound up to me with this grin from ear to ear. His heart, you would catch the slushes of God's grace and love as you got near him. He was just radiating with the joy of God. And how many know you want to be around someone like that? And again, sadly, and I thank God for a room of joyful people, whether you're in your 70s or 80s, or whether you're 18 or 16 or whatever today. But it's horrible when you meet someone who's been a Christian for a long time and they end up, frankly, a grumble bum. Can I say that in church? I just did. They end up miserable. You think, well, what God have you been worshipping? Remember this particular day I walked in, how you going, Stu? And he said, oh, Pastor Mike, I'm not good. Whoa, that was like such a contrast. And I said, what's up? He said, oh, Jesus has left me. I said, Jesus has left you, has he? He said, oh, man, all of my feelings of just uh, Jesus is gone. I don't know where he went. And I explained to him that sometimes after a season of a honeymoon, God wants us to start to walk by faith. And I felt like I was kind of flowing in what God would want for him at that point in time. And I said, Stu, let me, let me challenge you and encourage you to do something this week. I want you to get a hold of God's word and start to meditate on God's word. And, uh, and, and as, the whole, as I was saying that to Stu, and I said, here's how you do it and speak the word over and over in your mind and it'll drop from here to here. The Holy Spirit says to me, what about you, bucko? He calls me bucko sometimes. Because the truth is, at that moment, as I was ministering to Stuart, my heart, I was a pastor, my heart was as dry as old boots. So I found myself on a railway station not far from our home that week, and the Holy Spirit brought back that moment to me in remembrance. And the verse that came to my mind was, the joy of the Lord is my strength. So here I was, minding my own business, standing, waiting for the train, I'm doing this, the joy of the Lord is my strength. The joy of the Lord is my strength. No sooner had I been doing that for five to seven minutes, it was quite a while, this rush of joy. Now again, it's not a penny in the slot. I'm not giving you a formula, but I want to talk to you about the reality of how to, in a sense, start the awe. Today, we're going to put the awe back in awesome. We're going to put the I am back in amazing. We're going to put the one back in wonder. God's heart for you this year is for you to explode with shock and awe into the new year, not just meander through same old, same old. I had this rush of the joy of God. (coughs) I had a similar experience just before Christmas. I was driving from Los Angeles out to uh, Manhattan Beach uh, on the west coast of the US. I was ministering at Wave Church LA there. And... uh, and I was on the freeway, and I had that song on, and I had it cranked right up, 
Praise the name of the Lord our God. I won't sing it to you, but uh, otherwise you'll leave. But uh, <coughs> it's, it's just, it, it talks about, I cast my mind to Calvary, who's, who, who he bled and died for me. And then it talks about on the third day, uh, he wrote, and it's just this, as I'm driving down the freeway, like cars everywhere, you've just got to, the only way to drive in America is aggressive. All right, just, just get up there, get in their face, get in their grill, you know, otherwise you get eaten alive. And so I'm driving down, who knows what speed, it would definitely be doing the speed limit, Pastor, it was not over the speed limit. <clears throat> and um, the tears are streaming down my face as the presence of the living God filled that car at that point in time. There's something about rediscovering the sense of the awe of God. Come with me here to Genesis chapter 28. It's probably one of the core awe texts in certainly the Old Testament. We read from verse 11. Let me just read you a couple of verses. I know we've got, I think, 16 on the screen. I'll get to that in a minute. But it says, this is Jacob. It says, now he came to a certain place and stayed there all night because the sun had set. And he took one of the stones of that place and put it at his, at his head. So it, became, it was a pillow. And he lay down in that place to sleep. Then he dreamed and behold, a ladder was set up on earth and its top reached to heaven. And they were the angels of God was ascending and descending. This is a pretty freaky but cool dream that he starts to have. The context of this is that he's running, 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 just keeping him running. He's, he's, he's really running from Esau, his brother, whose birthright he stole because he felt like Esau was going to lynch him and get his life. Drop down there to verse 16. It says, when Jacob woke from his sleep, so he'd been resting, he was reposing. There was a, a moment where he took time out. Jacob woke from his sleep and said, surely the Lord is in this place and I did not know it. You know, I believe that's the testimony even for some people here. Not just about this place, but about your space at the moment. The Lord is all over that space. But if you're really honest, you think, man, it's a long time since I've had an encounter with Jesus. I could, I could honestly give you a how-to sermon today, but rather than I want to impart something, at the end of the service, I'm going to get people to stand who would say, it might be just a couple of people who would say, Pastor Mike, I am hungry for a fresh touch of the Spirit of God. I am hungry to re-plug in to the, awe of, the awesomeness of who God really uh, Michael, I really believe that I'm living a second-rate Christianity right now. I'm bumping along the bottom. I'm not actually believing God that he's the God of his word. I've actually put him in a box some, somehow uh, much smaller than what I read about in the word. Rather than every day with Jesus, it's become every now and again with Jesus. And as for the Holy Spirit, I guess he's there, but I've never sensed his presence for a long time. Friend, I believe in a shock and awe response that God can turn that around like that. For a hungry heart that would lean in, that would mix the word with faith. You might have been messing around for a little while. And though you come to church, and, or maybe this is your first time, like me as a 22-year-old young man that was getting drunk five and six nights a week, rolling out of bars at 3 and 4 a.m. Onkus to Pukul. Long way from God. I walked into a church one day, and there was something about that atmosphere that touched deeply into my heart. And I've never been the same again. Now, honestly, as I've already confessed, there are times I have been dry, but I, I, I didn't want to sit there in those times and just go through the motions. I want to rise up and, and grab a hold of all that God had for me. 
We read on. It says, Surely the Lord's in this place, and I did not know it. He says, And he was afraid and said, How awesome. Everyone say, Awesome. awesome. Everyone say, awesome. awesome. How awesome is this place? Now, that's not awesome as in, Oh, that's cool. When he was, he was, he was rocked to his very bootstraps right there. This is none other than the house of God. This is the very gate of heaven. And Jacob rose early in the morning and took the stone that he put it on his, uh, put at his head and set it up as a pillar. So the pillow became a pillar. And he poured anointing oil on it. I believe there are some pillows here that this year you're going to rise up and become a pillar, an anointed pillar in God's house. Take that as a word. I prophesy that into you right now. Those who have been coming along, uh, but frankly, it's, it's time to stop coming to church and start becoming the church. That's the heart of God for us. It says, then he called the name of the place Bethel, uh, Bethel, sorry, which is the house of God. Previously, the place had been Luz. Luz means the house of nuts. So he turned it from the house of nuts. How many used to go to that church? <laughs> the house of nuts to the house of God. That's a pretty cool transition right there. And Jacob made a vow saying, if God be with me and keep me in this way that I'm going and give me bread to eat and clothing to put on, so that I come back to my father's house in peace. Then the Lord shall be my God, and this stone which I have set up as a pillar shall be God's house. So he went from a place of sleep, (coughs) of slumber, of running, of being pursued, to a place where he had a fresh encounter with Jesus and started to work with God and started to worship him. He actually started to apply the wisdom. He knew what to do. He took his pillow, stood it on its end, and anointed it with oil, and it became a pillar. So there was a wisdom response in that regard. And thirdly, he got to work. He said, this is not only just going to stay a pillar. This, we're going to start to build the house of God right here. I love that response from Jacob at that time. This shall be the house of God. Come with me to Hebrews chapter 12. Hebrews chapter 12. Doing okay? Yeah. A couple of thoughts and then we're going to pray. Hebrews 12, 28. It says, Therefore, since we are receiving a kingdom which cannot be shaken, let us have grace by which we may serve. Now that word serve is interesting. It literally is, is synonymous. It's, it's either serve, but it also is the same word for worship. Let us offer, in fact, the version they've got on the screen for you. Let us offer to God acceptable worship with reverence and awe for our God is a consuming fire. Now, let me say to you, I have totally 100% bought into the grace message. I love the notion that it's not our doing. It is all about the grace of God. I love the notion that when you wake up every morning, you can put your shoulders back and your chest out, not in arrogance, but a sense of knowing that I'm walking in the favor of God. I love it. But in the midst of that, if there's a danger, if there's a danger, it's like God ceases to be God. We bring him down from his throne and it becomes your buddy. We would say it comes with mate. Matey, weighty, buddy, buddy. God, he and I, we're like that. I'm the short, fat one on the right. Right, you know. But, but, but I think that's the danger there because in that, we actually bring God down from his throne. 
part of the grace message is God is God. He's unapproachable outside of the finished work of Jesus Christ. And so freshly discovering him in worship. You know, sometimes you don't feel like worshiping. How many know that's true? Sometimes you don't feel like it. The situations. I had a friend this week, some of you might even know his name, whose son got struck by lightning. He was a youth pastor and died instantly. How, how does he come up? And I've, I've been in contact with him. How does he come up other than bring a sacrifice of worship? In other words, getting beyond how he feels, he taps into something greater and higher. And so if you want to rediscover the awesomeness of who God is, start to bring a sacrifice of praise and worship. I love it in Romans chapter 12, verse 1. It says, it says to, to take your bodies and make them a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable God, which is your reasonable service and spiritual worship. There are some times you've just got to, if you want to kick start, if you want to bring some shock and awe to a fresh encounter with Jesus, don't, don't just sit there and wait for him, even in the midst of a grace revelation. It's time for you to get up and start to reinstate him to the place that he is. He's the son of the living God. He's the king of kings and the Lord of lords. As you do that, this can be a year of a fresh sense of the awesomeness of who God really is. You know, oftentimes we set New Year's resolutions, and by now most of them are looking like being broken. <laughs> and I'm not against setting fresh goals for a new year. I think it's a great time to do that. But here's the problem with a, res a resolution. It actually puts the onus on you to be transformed. It's like, I think I can. I've got to lose some weight. I've got to eat better. I've got to exercise. I've got to do that. The Bible says that's not how we are actually transformed. Come with me to Corinthians chapter 3. It's not on the screen. But it simply says this. Beholding, verse 17, as in a mirror, the glory of the Lord, we are transformed into the same image from glory to glory. In other words, the greatest thing you can do to change internally in 2016 is to get a, crest, a fresh view of who he is. As you freshly behold him in his glory, something mystical happens that you become more like him on the inside. Friend, if you will start to each day, just even a couple of moments, just remind yourself of who God really is. Just remind yourself of how magnificent God is, of how incredibly capable God is, of what he did to swish the stars in place. That's God that calls you friend. As you behold him in his glory, we are transformed from glory to glory. Does that make sense? Yeah. Proverbs chapter 1, verse 7, it says, it says the, the awesomeness or the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. So not only is there a worship response, a, sometimes a sacrifice of worship, but there's a spirit of wisdom that comes with freshly discovering the awesomeness of who God was. We read it earlier on, where, where Jacob, when he had this encounter with the awesomeness of God, woke up and all of a sudden knew what to do. He says, I'm going to take the pillow, I'm going to turn it on its end and make it a pillar, and I'm going to anoint it with oil. He hadn't done that before. It didn't even occur to him, but in the awesomeness of God... Now, of course, the Bible also says, if you need wisdom, just ask. James says, God's going to give you that wisdom that you need liberally. And so, and so I really believe that transformation 
really happens out of even that sacrifice of worship. Progress happens. You read this yourself in Proverbs 25, verse 7. It says, the, the way of life winds upward for the wise. The way of life winds upward for the wise. As you freshly discover the awesomeness of who God is, then God will, imp- will impart wisdom to you to really build progress. I declare over you this year, 2016, that as a result, not of your trying or efforts, but as a result of you freshly discovering the awesomeness of God, that, that God will cause your finances to wind upward this year, not downward. That God will cause your relationships to wind upward, not downward. That God would cause your ministry to wind upward, not downward. I can say that without any fear of compunction or, or false uh, hope because I know that's the heart of God. And, and all the missing link is us rediscovering the awesomeness of who He is in our midst. 2016, I declare to you, I declare over you to be a year of great transformation and great progress in your life. That's the heart of God for each and every one of you. Now, for some of you, you'll let that go through to the keeper and go, oh, nice talk, pastor. Others will grab that by faith, lean in and say, that's for me. That's for me. I'm going to believe that over my year. Could I have some singers and musicians up, please? The final thing over this year, as we rediscover the awesomeness of God. You know, I love, I love the book of Ephesians. I really do. It says in Ephesians chapter 2, we are his workmanship, created, verse 10, in Christ Jesus for good works, which he prepared beforehand. It, it kind of taps into Psalm 139, verse 4, that says, we are fearfully and wonderfully made. So awesomely made. Uh, Marvelous are your works that my soul knows very well. I declare a year of transformation. A year where maybe those nagging, besetting, frustrating character issues or besetting sins that God would transform you from the inside out. I declare over you great progress in your marketplace life, in your church ministry life, in Jesus' name. And I declare over you today a great sense of fulfillment in your stewardship yes. of God's work. If we are made in His image for His, after His likeness, and we are His workmanship created for good works, the Bible says we're fearfully and awesomely made. Yes. Does your soul know it? Because when your soul knows it, you won't want to do anything other than line up with God's very best for your life. I want you to close your eyes right across the house. I just want to read you a couple of verses of Scripture that isn't, isn't a fairy tale. It's not fantastic. <laughs> it's real. <laughs> we will stand before God. The throne of God is a real place. We need not fear because of the finished work of Jesus Christ, what He's already done for us. But I do want you to close your eyes right now. I want you to do the very thing that I've been suggesting this morning. I want you to tap in to just this little glimpse of the awesomeness of your God, whom when you approach Him, you don't need to do it with a sense of intrepidation and fear. You, you can approach Him with a sense of peace and grace because of the finished work of Jesus. 
We're around the throne and in Revelation chapter 4, we read in verse 1. After these things I looked and behold a door standing in heaven and the first voice which I heard was like the trumpet speaking with me saying, come up here and I'll show you things which must take place after this. Immediately as I was in the spirit and behold, a throne set in heaven and one sat on the throne. And he who sat on the throne was like a jasper, a sardius stone in appearance and there was a rainbow around the throne in appearance like an emerald. Around the throne were 24 thrones and on the thrones I saw 24 elders sitting clothed in white robes and they had crowns of gold on their heads and from the throne proceeded lightnings, thunderings and voices. Seven lamps of fire were burning before the throne which are the seven spirits of God. Before the throne there was a sea of glass like crystal in the midst of the throne. Around the throne were four living creatures full of eyes front and back. Chapter 7, just a couple of verses over. Keep your eyes closed just for a minute. After these things, verse 9, I looked and behold a great multitude which no one could number of all nations and tribes, peoples, tongues. That's you, you'll be there standing before the throne and before the Lamb. Clothed in branch in their hands crying out with a loud voice saying, Salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the land. Friend, he truly is awesome. He truly is awe-inspiring. He truly is the King of kings and Lord of lords today. And I could give you no better message at the start of this new year than for you, the challenge, to rediscover that awesomeness of God. He is that one who, around whose throne we'll be standing but there may be some today and you say, you know what, I've, I've got away. I've got off track. I, you, you shared a bit vulnerably, Michael, about your past. And frankly, I, I got a similar story myself. Or maybe you haven't. Maybe you've just been going through the motion. I declare right now there are people all over the house today. And God is stirring your heart to say, come on, come on. I've been nudging you. It's time to freshly connect with me. It's time to stop bumping along the bottom in your Christianity. It's time to rise up and be the man, be the woman of God that you want to be and that I've seen you as for years and years. With every eye closed and every head bowed, it would be a great joy for me to include you in a prayer that would simply say, Jesus, I'm coming to you. I'm coming back afresh. God, I want to rediscover who you are in an unbridled, non-religious way. There are some here, maybe you're here for the first time or you've never, ever made a decision to align your heart with God's heart. You've never ever made a decision to accept what Jesus did on that cross, dying for your sins and mine, to take that for your own. With every eye closed and every head bowed, right across the house, you say, Michael, pray for me. Include me in that prayer. Today, at the start of this year, I get my life right with God, or I want to come back into that place that I know God wants me to dwell. Eyes closed right across the house. I'm going to simply count to three. When I hit three, everyone who says, that's me, pray for me. I want you to confidently and boldly lift your hands straight up in the air right now. One, two, three. If that's you, lift your hand all over the house. God bless you. Wow. God bless you. You're saying right now, I need to get my life right with God. Keep your hand raised. I need to reconnect with Jesus. Maybe 20 or 30 hands going up. People just getting honest. Some have obviously been walking with Jesus for many, many years. I honor you 
sir. I honour you, ma'am. Others may be newer around here. This is a great year. This is a wonderful opportunity for you to take a fresh slice of the reality of who God is will propel you into a fresh dimension of the destiny that God has for your life. Just before I pray, anyone else, you haven't raised your hand, but you want to. Someone else here. Haven't, you haven't prayed a prayer like this for a long, long time. In fact, it's almost like there's, there's, there's something died on the inside. And I, I can see a sense of like there's hopelessness. Jesus wants to breathe fresh hope. Keep your eyes closed, please, across the house. Who's that person? You haven't raised your hand yet, but you want to. Lift it up. Lift it up right now. Give me a wave. Is that you? Lift it up right now. Thank you, buddy. God bless you. We're going to pray this prayer together right now. You're not praying it to me, obviously. You're praying it to Jesus. And I'm going to align the words to the message that I preached of a rediscovering of the awesomeness of who He is. Is that okay? Come on, let's pray. Not not a mealy-mouthed little prayer. I want you to pray boldly and confidently with faith from your heart. Let's all pray right now. Dear Heavenly Father, come on, Arena. Dear Heavenly Father, I come to you right now desiring the very essence of who you are. I want to rediscover the awesomeness of you, my God. Jesus, I thank you for all you are. I thank you for all you've done. And I declare right now afresh my need for you. I confess you as my Lord and Saviour. I believe that you did what you said you did. I believe you accomplished all it says you accomplished. Thank you for forgiving me of my sin and helping me rediscover who you are in my life. In Jesus' name, amen. And amen. Come on, Arena. We thank God for every single one.